0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Christiana. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. Fifteen years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is... Daniel Curran, I literally have the fan graphs buddy,
1: the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame, it's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore.
0: And welcome to About Replacement Radio, we're talking baseball. Kind whenever, I'm your host Christian over there. To my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing Daniel?
1: Chris, I am doing very well today. We only have one game to break down today, uh, but the season's over.
0: Yeah. Season is over. RIP. Yeah. RIP 2022 season. Um, it was was, a good one. It was a good one. It was a fun one. Um, especially the postseason, which, uh, you know, obviously just wrapped up. So yeah, we're going to talk about game six today and then we're going to, we're going to kind of, you know, review our, our, our 2022 season. We have some custom award, custom
1: awards. We're doing our top five hits and our top five misses from our, uh, players to watch segment that we did back in March. Uh, yeah. You had a big comeback year. Uh I would yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean like you had a obviously 20 your 2021 season was like oh, was yeah. like Chris Davis's 2018.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty it was uh it was pretty rough. That's yeah. for sure. This
1: year you were more like uh,
0: I would s- I would call myself uh <clears throat> Don't don't, don't
1: use one of your players to watch as this analogy.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> I was want to now. Yeah. Uh I'd call I'd call myself uh, maybe like Nick Pavetta. It was like it was all right. Yeah, <laughs> it was decent. Yeah, it did, had some good moments. Had some bad moments. Had some bad moments. moments.
1: But you know, you're not you're not like upset that that you know it happened.
0: Yeah, you know, I I had a season that you you put me in a, in a you put me in an average rotation. You know, it just works out. You you, you get fit. a job the, the fits there. Yeah, yeah, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, 2021. I mean, some some flops included the likes of Tim LoCastro, who <laughs> got uh, DFA'd, got DFA'd by the worst team in baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who went 52 and 110. But they still did not have room for Tim LeCastro. Uh Yeah, there was also like Tanner Rainey, uh, who I had, who I think he finished strong. He uh, he yeah. had
1: like a he had like a negative FIP in September or something crazy like
0: that. Was that Rainey or Lucas Sims?
1: both it was definitely Lucas Sam's but I think Rainey also finished strong
0: yeah I just know Rainey like he had like uh, when I highlighted him I was like his walk rate went down and then his walk rate went, went way the hell up went <laughs> um, way right back to where it was before you
1: had a uh, oh my god I'm blanking on the name the Oscar
0: Mercado that was 2020 that was 2020 okay yeah that was, you well, know that
1: flopped that see that flopped every year since 2019 yes unfortunately.
0: <laughs> right I, I uh set him up to fail there but yeah We'll get into those. But, yeah, obviously, I mean, the big news is uh, Astros won the World Series. Yeah.
1: I mean, we've been we've been waiting for it since. It's felt inevitable since 2017. It felt like they were going to win another one uh, since they they got back. I'd say not since the cheating scandal broke, but when they got back to the ALCS with a kind of mid-roster in 2020 and, like, they took the race to seven, it felt like inevitably they were going to get back there. 2021 they weren't able to finish the job and like joe davis said on the call this year they finished the job
0: yeah they did so and um i mean yeah i mean it's weird in a postseason like this it was weird seeing the better team win Mm -hmm. like yeah (laughs) like you know obviously the phillies they beat the braves and the cardinals and the padres they beat the mets and the dodgers and you know like uh so we saw that in the National League, and so it was weird to see, like, oh, the better team won. This just seems wrong. Off. Yeah. This doesn't seem... Like, I saw, you know, I saw the Astros celebrate in the middle of the field, and I was like, it's just doesn't feel like... This it, felt, th- it
1: didn't feel like a World Series win. It felt like they were advancing to the World Series again. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. I felt that way, but I was like, no, it's not over right now. Like, they still got to go play, like, I don't know, the best team from Mars.
0: Yeah, true. Like... They gotta, you know, they won the MLB. Now they gotta go uh, intergalactic. Exactly. Uh, they gotta do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. They gotta. Ha-
1: they gotta face the NECBL champion, Martha's Vineyard Sharks. They do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to that matchup. You know, between Jordan and Cameron Hill. Yes. Uh, the big lefty, lefty. Of course, we saw Jordan hit lefties in big moments a couple times this postseason, but yep. never, never anyone like Cameron Hill
0: never anyone like even it, though
1: Jose Alvarado was a, a very good comparison. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> yeah,
0: pretty true. Hard-throwing hard-throwing lefty. Um yeah, it's uh Yeah, it it was kind of weird um especially after how the Phillies went up 2 games to 1 and they still had two more games left in Philly. It was like, all right. I mean, like they got Nola going game 4 against you know, the Astros four starter. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it, they got no hit. Um, the Phillies had their best chance to turn things around in game five. Didn't do it. And then, yeah, it was all it was all Astros.
1: There are a lot of parallels with this series in the 2021 ALCS because yeah. the Astros were down two one. It felt like a foregone conclusion that they were going to get beat. And then their pitching just turned it on in the last few games. Yeah. And sh- the no hitter in game four uh one run allowed in game 5 and then one re- run allowed in game 6. I yeah. believe the the only runs, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the only runs the Phillies scored after game 3 were on Kyle Schwarber solo home runs.
0: Um yeah, it, yeah, outside of uh Gene Segura's RBI single. Oh yeah, that. Well,
1: that didn't count. That
0: didn't we rescinded that <laughs> uh after the <laughs> cuz they the, they didn't tie it, so They didn't tie it, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, like uh and oh yeah, big shout out to uh our acquaintance, Garrett Cody, yeah. who's uh Springfield College uh student here, fellow COSJ senior uh editor in chief of the Springfield student on campus. Uh he can he we were in the newspaper office, he came up to me at my little cubicle at the student newspaper office, and this was right after the Phillies went up seven to nothing, or they won seven to nothing, went up two to one in the series, and he said who do you think's winning? I was like Phillies, and he was like, "I don't know, man. I'm getting like, I'm getting like last year's Red Sox Astros vibes," and you know, I, I wanted to deter him, but the setup was there, mm-hmm. and it went exactly like that. I don't want
1: to take credit for this,
0: but I do want to acknowledge
1: that this exists. I had that thought after Game Three, right? I didn't want to say it. And I obviously I have no way of proving it, so you you're just gonna have to believe me or not believe me. But I absolutely had that thought after game three.
0: It's it's against the Astros. Kyle Schwarber's hitting home runs because
1: like people were talking like outside baseball fans, like non Red Sox Astros fans after the the game three that the Red Sox won twelve three we're talking about oh here we go another world series with the boston red Sox. like how original of course the astros went on to win games four five and six and people were talking about a Phillies world series championship after game three and i thought like you can't do that that's already been done and it didn't work out
0: yeah right yeah um
1: that was mostly where those thoughts came from
0: yeah exactly like the the setup was exactly there like uh you know they split the first two in houston then uh, you know, the Phillies slash Red Sox blow them out in game three. Kyle Schwarper hits home run in both, ironically enough. <laughs> and uh and Did he home run game? He hit three? the Grand Slam.
1: No, I mean in this game three.
0: Yes. He was he was the or he was like the last Harper, home run.
1: Harper Bohm Beaum- Marsh ha- or no. No, Hoskins. Did Hoskins hit one?
0: I think I just know Sh- Schwarber was like the fifth home run. He definitely homered. Okay, I'll I'll take your word for it. I th- I believe so. Hoskins homered for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the setup was exactly there, and then yeah, it ended up. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't this extreme last year it where did, yeah. th- th- there there was a no hitter, a literal no hitter, <laughs> and then <laughs> you know the Astros went a close one, and then uh, and
1: the game five of that series was not close.
0: Yeah, it kind of it was kind of like games four and five would be reversed. Yeah. in that scenario, yep. and then game six kind of went similarly, like some big moments, but uh, but ultimately Jordan happened in yeah, both. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, um, yeah, the better team won um, after 106 wins, after uh,
1: 11 postseason wins, an 18
0: inning win. Uh, many comebacks. A
1: sweep in the Bronx.
0: Yes, a sweep against the Mariners. Um, you know they went seven and zero before this series, and then they lost the first one. Uh, yeah, and they're continuing to break the narrative that teams that sweep the LCS <laughs> uh, two straight. Yeah, two two consecutive times where teams that sweep the LCS win the World Series. Before that, uh, since they moved the LCSs to. Best of sevens. Before that, those teams were one and six.
1: To be fair, in this particular case, both teams had the same amount of rest going into the World Series. Yeah,
0: that's why I didn't really consider it that much. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would have been a guaranteed Phillies win for sure. Um,
1: <laughs> they should they should have lost to the Padres more.
0: Yes, they should have. <laughs> Did
1: Bryce Harper hitting that home run cost the Phillies the World Series?
0: That's a good. That's a good argument. <laughs> um, yeah, Schwarber. sure.
1: It was the most <laughs> iconic home run. Uh, in f- recent Phillies history, it's the swing of Bryce Harper's life. But what did it cost?
0: Right. Yeah, I can't wait for the dork town on that. <laughs> um, yeah, Schwarber did hit a home run game of three. It he was did, just very yes. forgettable because it was kind it of was insigni- the fifth one. Yeah, it was in- insignificant. Um, but yeah, uh, just breaking down the game pitchers duel. Uh, arguably, the whe- the best wheelers looked. Um, I know he's yeah. had. I know he's had. You know a performance where he went seven shutout innings but i think there was a little bit of luck with that with this one there was no hard contact against him uh you know still getting some strikeouts there however framber was on the other end and he was doing exactly what wheeler was doing except with even more strikeouts um and uh you know get keeping the ball on the ground as he always does and uh you know the first one to crack ends up being framber uh, Kyle Schwarber hits a home run, um, gives the Phillies the lead, and it's like you know, obviously your m- my brain is sort of reactionary when I see like the first team score. It's like oh, game seven coming up, but you know it's obviously not like that because right in the bottom of the inning, it starts with a hit by pitch, which Maldonado. I don't know, like he leaned in, but it wasn't as egregious as like when Alledmus Diaz leaned in, uh in game one, but he, you know, maybe a little bit of controversy there. However, after Maldonado, um, was it Pena, uh, Altuve must've gotten out and then Pena hit a single that moved him to third. And then, uh, Jordan Alvarez hits a three run home run that goes 450 feet, travels at 113 miles per hour. And then, yeah, Considering how great the Astros' bullpen has been, um, you know, it was kind of like game over after that. Yeah, it was. I'm
1: sorry. I, just, <laughs> I was looking over some stuff. Um, the Jordan homer? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was it. It was funny because uh, Wheeler was looking really good up until that sixth inning. He hadn't give, given up a ball with a exit velocity above 90 miles an hour until Jeremy Peña hit that 95 mile an hour uh single through the middle that brought out 2 to third. That was really nice base running out from him because I didn't even, I didn't even consider him going to third and he was there like felt like before the center fielder even fielded the ball.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Um yeah, Maldonado was on the bases. Um that yeah, it was weird weird to think of him going first to third. Um but he did. But yeah, that didn't end up mattering because Jordan just hit it way over and then uh then he gets driven in eventually by Vasquez and then it's Astros bullpen from there and uh I mean quite simply it's just they win the ball game. They're up by three, they're gonna win the ball game.
1: Yeah, I mean it was what, naris Montero and then Presley to finish it off. Or no it was Abreu, not Montero. Um yeah, right. Yeah so Montero Naris getting the seventh was very cool
0: against his old team. Yeah. Big uh big third out f- big strikeout for the third out um where he was really pumped up maybe the most pumped up he's ever been on a baseball field uh that was pretty cool to see and yeah i mean uh i think i think what everybody is is what the most consensus we can get from this astros world series championship is happiness for dusty baker
1: absolutely that shot uh of all the coaches around him like Swarming him was was very nice. Yeah, made me very happy. Um, I don't know if you saw like the replay from the dugout, but he didn't even watch the final play. Like he was updating his scorecard <laughs> as Kyle Tucker was catching the ball. Wow! Which is just such a just yeah, that's a true Dusty move. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something. I mean, a baseball lifer, absolutely. Um, he won the 1981 World Series. As a player, 41 years later he gets the opportunity to manage a world series team and you know i mean his story with the astros like you know this that's where you just take all the pre 2020 astros stuff out of it where it's mm-hmm. like he took over he was like the most apologetic about the scandal despite yeah. not being involved in it at all
1: he was he was literally managing a different team
0: yeah yeah. One by the way, a very
1: underrated storyline that I don't think anyone touched on was the fact that the last team Dusty Baker managed before the Astros had Bryce Harper on it.
0: True, yeah. And they were
1: facing each other.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, he's also a guy who's gotten so close a couple times, 2002 with, most notably. 2002 most notably with the with the San Francisco Giants. Um and, you know, he takes over the Astros who are not, you know, especially Think thinking back to 2020, especially, uh, you know, unliked by the baseball world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of he and has, he's a likable guy. Like it was an yeah.
1: un, it was a likable manager joining a otherwise unlikable team.
0: Absolutely, and he takes the reins. He's very diplomatic about things. Um, you know, a rough uh, shortened 2020 regular season, but makes up for it uh, with a great uh, run that and brings them one game away from the world series, then manages them to 95 wins. Uh, it manages them to 95 wins when, you know, it was people, people, some people were predicting the Astros would win the division. You did. Some people were predicting the A's because they had won the year before. I don't believe I did pick the Astros. I think you did Oh, for
1: 2020. Yeah, I did Uh,
0: for 2021.
1: Oh yeah. No, that year I definitely
0: did. Yeah, you did. Um, and uh, and yeah, leads them there, uh, leads them to the World Series, and then this year, obviously, you know, they lose they lose Correa, uh, <laughs> arguably their best player, but you know, decent replacement. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, manages them to 106 wins and 11 and two in the postseason. Uh, just a dominant team.
1: Yeah, it's probably it's I think. When the dust is settled, we're going to have conversations about, like, which which of those Astros teams from that era was the best. And it's hard to imagine that team isn't.
0: Yeah. The like, it's, it's funny because
1: I don't even think it's... Is it the most games that they've won? How many... Actually, it probably is. How many did they win in 2019?
0: Um they won 100 like... They won 107 in 2019. Okay,
1: yeah, cuz I to say that felt like the most dominant. Like they had Garrett Cole and, you know, another Cy Young Verlander season and also yeah. Zach Greinke still in is still at the tail end of his prime.
0: Yeah, Alex Bregman yeah. Uh, top 2 in MVP. Uh yeah, you know, Altuve. Altuve
1: Spring. Like the like I was watch I was rewatching some of those games. They had
0: Correa, Alvarez as their 6-7 in their mm-hmm. lineup. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately, you know, that team that team didn't get it done. They didn't get it done. They and had also, two chances too. Also, like they didn't sweep any playoff series. They went to five with the Rays, six with the Yankees, and then seven in the Nats, which the, t- seven uh, against the Nats, which they lost. But yeah, I think they went ten and eight in the playoffs that year. This year they went eleven and two. Yeah, um, they were yeah absolutely dominant. Um, Jeremy Pena wins a World Series MVP
1: naturally uh it should have been i think it should have been Framber valdez i agree uh Payne was very good he was definitely the best offensive player for the astros yeah personally i've seen better slash lines but i don't know i thought framer deserved it but either nevertheless, nevertheless jeremy Payne is a likable guy you know he's obviously he has a clean record for a guy who's on the astros yep. he's much more likable nationally than the previous astros shortstop yeah um you know, I think I think he's someone that people can get behind, regardless of what uniform he wears, and it's cool to see him winning both ALCS and World Series MVP as a rookie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, definitely an easier guy to root for for sure. Uh, he hit 400 with a 1023 OPS. Um, you know, had some big er moments, uh, including the go-ahead home run in Game Five. Probably that's. most notable one uh he had a couple doubles as well um and the single that um that got him on before jordan alvarez's home run but yeah i I, you know gotta praise for amber valdez you have to he's i mean yeah like i i definitely think he deserved it he had a 146 era you know 12 and a third innings two earned runs he had 18 strikeouts he kept the ball on the ground so like it wasn't like he was really, he, he wasn't getting lucky throughout the series. He didn't just happen upon a one, four, six ERA. He absolutely dominated eight up innings. Um, and you know, like, that's why they were able to, you know, a big reason of, as to why they were able to win those games, you know, obviously the, the only pitcher in that series to win multiple games, um, which is a, a factor as well. And yet just, and you know, as as we're talking about Framber should t- we should talk about his entire postseason cuz he had yeah. a, he had a one four four ERA and a 2.07 FIP his strikeout rate was 34.4% which was over 10 percentage points above his regular season what was his uh ground ball rate um i didn't uh, i didn't check that but his whiff rate was 30.2% wow um i could check his uh check his ground ball rate right now as we're talking about it um but, yeah, I mean, that's usually in the upper 60s or 70s. Uh, oh, yeah. You cannot you cannot hit a ground ball on a swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to redo the search there. Um, his ground ball rate was 64.8%, <laughs> which is great. Which is around his uh, average. Around average. And when you add in the strikeouts and, you know, still, you know, an average walk rate, which is good for him, I mean just dominant he was he was you know I guess you could argue Christian Javier but he was the best starter uh on the Astros he was the best pitcher on the Astros this uh postseason
1: oh no doubt yeah Uh, it's I mean obviously it doesn't matter but he should not have been getting game three and four right which to be fair you probably don't put him against Verlander above Verlander or Framberg, but the fact that they put McCullers over him is tough
0: yeah 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 um but yeah, like Framber was doing, like like you know Justin Verlander, he had some he had some he had two you know half of his playoff outings were rough and mm-hmm. not good and contributed to well one almost contributed to a loss and the other did actually contribu- did contribute to a loss which was
1: still an extra innings loss.
0: Uh, true. Yeah,
1: like you could even argue he didn't blow it even though yeah. he, they had a five nothing lead they should have won there but I I digress.
0: Yes. But Framber stepped in and did and did A stuff. Yes. When Justin Verlander wasn't doing A stuff. He very much did,
1: and obviously Javier did as well. Um one thing I do want to talk about is Rob Thompson's uh lineup construction. The fact that it just didn't change throughout the entire like those entire three games where they were not scoring any runs is wild. Like Reese Hoskins I know that, you know, it's tough to judge over a small sample, you know, how guys are doing, but like his only hits in the NLCS were homers. Like he was never—he's never been on a tear offensively. It's just when he hits them, he hits them big. Like why is he batting second, and also why is Bryce Harper not batting top three?
0: Yeah, right. Like
1: the, the best guy on your team hitting cleanup. I know it sounds right in theory, but it really isn't. You should be getting that guy more at bats.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, like you could have easily switched places. You know, Hoskins and Harper. I know you'll get into it, but yeah, like yeah. I've also, just with a number two batter, um, typically you're putting a guy who gets on base more, and you know isn't maybe like the wild card slugger type who mm-hmm. is you know maybe will have like a three hundred on base percentage, but a five hundred slugging. But you know Hoskins is kind of that wild card guy who maybe you hit fifth or sixth, but he's not you know he's definitely no guarantee to get on base. So or Harper should he be Harper is you know gets on base at a much higher rate than Hoskins but you know uh what more uh, what more thoughts do you have on on the uh, line yeah. of construction if
1: we're if i if i were the manager i would go Schwarber first i think that's fine you keep him there mm-hmm. um and then i would go real muto second i know that he only hit 167 this series but um that's still better than than Hoskins and Castianos and i think he's more he can be more of a consistent hitter and can get on base more. Um, and then, you know, it gives you that lefty-righty, and then back to a lefty for Bryce Harper at third. That one's pretty easy. And then Hoskins and Castellanos, you can go wherever with them. Uh, they both had a sub-4 OPS this series. They were pretty bad. Yeah. Um, obviously, Rio Muto had a very good first couple games, and then he kind of slowed down over the last few. Um, yeah, he had four hits in the series, and at least two of them were in game one. So that's that's not great, but... I still would have put him second in that order instead of third.
0: Right. Yeah, I yeah, I agree that Hoskins being number no Hoskins being number two is definitely the most egregious. Like at least har- with Harper you can argue like, you know, you know, clean up hitter. You want him with guys on, but you could yeah. still get that a third. You should still get that at third. Right. Um I'm trying to look yeah, Nick Castellanos didn't hit a single home run in the playoffs. No, he didn't. I like I was just realizing that. I was I was like thinking back to like the big Castellanos moments, but There they were there really weren't any. Like yeah, he, he kinda like because of how good the Phillies' offense was, you didn't realize how bad he was doing. But <laughs> Nick Castellanos had a four seventy eight OPS in 17 playoff games this year.
1: In other news, world peace has been uh, <laughs> achieved.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's good news for the rest yeah, of the world. Yeah, especially
1: with elections coming up. Like, it's a, it's a good sign. Yes,
0: yes, very good sign. I
1: mean, all this talk about the economy and democracy on the line, but Nick Castellanos just had a horrible postseason. Like, what are we doing stressing about the bad things in the world?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the... One dollar twenty-five cent gra- gas prices that are incoming <laughs> after a performance like this in the World Series. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he did. And you know what's very funny too is that he
1: was actually really good on defense this whole series. Yeah, it was a real <laughs>
0: flip flop <laughs> there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he did
0: a he did a quick swap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He yeah he did not. Yeah he was not showing up, um, especially with the home run ball. Um, kind of weird, but but yeah. Um, who are some other Who are some other shoutouts? Fr- you know, Framber obviously good credit. You know, Javier we talked about last um, episode. Brendan Marsh was solid throughout the whole postseason. Yeah, I know. I know he was on the losing team eventually, but
1: he he definitely played very well. He obviously homered in that one game. Um, yeah, I thought he did pretty pretty well while he
0: was in there. Uh, yeah, like you know, especially for a guy who was regularly in the in the nine spot. Brian Abreu um, was awesome. Yeah, Brian I'm- Presley was awesome. Uh, I'm tra-
1: uh, Hector Naris, two scoreless innings I know that it's only two but he yeah. was excellent Jose Arquiti in that one game was solid um, Verlander got a win he did pitched he well did. enough to get one <laughs> yeah
0: uh, Ryan Presley went 11 innings no earned runs 13 wow. strikeouts 3, uh, three walks um, I'm looking for Brian Abreu because he's the other guy like uh, Foolish Baseball actually had a tweet uh, a stat about him where I think he was like third, I think third most uh strikeouts in a postseason in which a run was not allowed. That um, makes sense. Behind like Cody Allen, funnily, funnily enough, and <laughs> yeah, guy. he was nice in twenty sixteen. He was great. Um and Brian Abreu, eleven and a third, no runs allowed, nineteen strikeouts, four walks, uh one oh eight FIP for Brian Abreu. Uh Stuff was looking nasty as well. Absolutely. Um, just lots of swings and misses coming from him and his slider and his fastball. Um, and yeah, I mean the the Astros, the Astros bullpen was talked about uh, a lot for good reason. I mean they were, you know, once the Astros got a lead late in the game, you just knew it was over. No doubt.
1: It, yeah, I mean, especially in the way that it happened. Like Jordan crushed that ball, four hundred fifty feet. To dead center. It's funny, like, you literally, as a cliche, you just say, oh, 450 dead center. That's literally, <laughs> what. that's quite literally what won the Astros the World Series. <laughs> like, it was exactly 450, yeah. and it was dead center. I-, I tweeted this, but it really makes me wish we had, we have Tails Hill still.
0: Yeah, that, <laughs> Can yeah. Can you
1: imagine, like, just the image of a ball going over the
0: hill? <laughs> Back at the wall, back More at the hill, Marsh trips over the <laughs> hill. It's out of here. To be fair, it was Veerling, but yes. Oh, it was. Oh, it was <laughs> Veerling. Yeah, yeah, that would be. A <laughs> it's just Mad Veerling running up the
1: hill, just not even looking. The ball <laughs> just clings off like twenty feet above it and comes back into
0: play. I know it was. I know it was probably physically dangerous but the image of a professional athlete just like stumbling (laughs) up that hill like as he's looking up in the sky on that stage it's like Uh, it's it's a shame it's so funny it's a
1: shame that the astros got rid of Tows hill right before they went on this amazing run where they were in the postseason for a deep run every single year yeah exactly (laughs) like it was they i mean i i think they had it in 2015
0: uh yeah. Well I remember Wait, there were postseason games then. I remember um I remember they got rid of it right before twenty seventeen and like the ironic thing was like, oh they 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 sacrificed Tows Hill for a World Series. They or they well they got rid of Tows Hill so they so the camera could be closer to Oh yeah, that's true. To the field. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um but yeah, uh yeah, great. Great moments, great performances by the Astros. um, And the Phillies. Just just running straight up that hill, (laughs) like he's not even looking at the ball.
1: He's not even looking up. He's just running back, being like, "I know it's out there somewhere. I'm going to turn around eventually."
0: And it's just thirty feet over his head. The the most egregious thing about that was they had flagpoles in yeah the field, in the in field the field of, of play <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: like that was the most dangerous part about it Not yeah that like there that, that's hill. like a,
1: that's like a flawed high school field yeah like everyone everyone had that one high school field no matter uh, mostly baseball because other sports are you know the field is very very cookie cutter and there's yeah. no you know the regulations don't appear to be any different but like there was always that one really weird baseball field that you played on for me. There was a field which is a straight fence across the whole outfield. Yep. So like left and like the the left and right fields were like way deeper, but center field was the the shallowest part of the outfield.
0: Yeah, that's very funny. <laughs> what, what
1: was your what was your high school weird high school field story?
0: Um. Well, actually, it was probably like the last, the last high school game I ever played. It was in Thomaston, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. There was, like, there was a. Uh, there was a hill leading up to the parking lot in left field, but it was part of the field of play. It was like oh yeah. It was like huge where like it was way steeper, way steeper than Towels Hill. Um like you would have to climb it. Yeah. So there was that and then there was like um you know, the classic like softball field that's part of center mm-hmm. field. <laughs> one uh
1: one thing to note about that uh that one field, it also had the shortest backstop you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, like if there was a pass ball and a guy was on third, you weren't scoring. Yeah. Like it it took like two steps back for you to, for you to be out. Like you were just, you just weren't scoring. It was as simple as that.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, weird, weird fields. I'm
1: trying to find videos of this field just for reference.
0: Weird fields can be funny. Absolutely. Um, this
1: is the best shot I got. Like you could see how close the camera is from home plate, and like the
0: yeah yeah right field, like <laughs> right field is dude, like right field is like dude. I
1: played right field there. It was the most pressuring thing ever because oh like God. if a ball got by you, it was an inside the park home run.
0: Yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Um, but yeah, so Astros win. Um, any other takeaways from the from the series? Um, I mean, it was cool to see
1: this Phillies run. I think it's something that we're going to talk about for a while. A hundred percent. And, I mean, I think I, I think this is the ultimate, like, people need to get over the cheating stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, people, people won't, and that's whatever. You know, there will always be the people that say, oh, they're still cheating, definitely. And, breaking news, nothing's ever going to come out.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, especially because there's a bigger um, emphasis on looking at them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure uh, there was some sort of, like, people paying extra attention. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the Phillies run was cool. This whole postseason was cool. Like you know, the idea that it was Phillies Padres instead of what obviously should have been Braves Dodgers again—that mm-hmm. was a fun thing. That was awesome. Um, uh, it
1: was a good postseason as a whole. Um, now that like this postseason lasted so much longer than any other, or maybe maybe besides twenty twenty. But it's so funny now that we're at the end of it to think about the random teams that were in it. Like the Rays were in the postseason. Yeah. The Blue Jays were in the postseason. The Cardinals, even right. though they literally won their division. The Mets, I guess, makes a little more sense just because they got so much more coverage and they won 101 games. Yeah,
0: and their series went three games.
1: Yeah, I think the only the only like seriously those teams were in the playoffs were
0: the Blue Jays, Cardinals, and Rays. Definitely yeah. Rays. Oh yeah. Definitely the Rays. The Rays. I mean, they were, they were part of, and both games were literally at 12 o'clock. Yep. <laughs> no one cared. And there were
1: what. How many combined runs scored one, two, three, four. four. Four combined runs
0: four runs in in twenty four in, <laughs> yeah, play between two teams, um but yeah, like uh yeah, postseason was fun, world series was was fun, I mean it was mean, a decent one game, like it wasn't
1: I wouldn't say it was the best, but it definitely wasn't the worst.
0: game one is like game one know, was a classic, I think, yeah,
1: game two was kind of uh, blah. kind of blah, but for Amber was awesome, game three was cool, game four was cool. Game five got interesting late, and game six was pretty sweet. Like, there were some sweet moments. Like, the Kyle Schwarber home run I thought was dope. The Jordan home run was was really just powerful.
0: Yeah. I just know, like, as if I were either team's fan base, I'd be uncomfortable the whole time, which means, like, from yeah. a neutral fan's uh, standpoint... Is good. Is good, yeah. Like, um... Yeah, that's just uh, how it is. Yeah,
1: like if you're an Astros fan, I don't think you felt confident that you were going to win it absolutely until the Yordan home run, which was nine outs away from the actual end of the series.
0: Yeah. By the way, shout out! Shout out to World Series as of late. They've been cooler. I don't think there's been a sweep in in ten years now.
1: Yeah, it's been since two- I-, I was in sixth grade, and now I'm about to graduate college. Yeah,
0: shout out to every. Shout out to. Every team w- yeah, letting to, oth- yeah. Letting the other team win at least one. <laughs> Twenty eighteen. Re- Ian Kinsler. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like you know. Thank you for throwing that ball away. I needed something to do that Sunday night. So <laughs> you know uh, why not watch my team win the World yeah, Series? Yeah, why not
1: end a- end the weekend on a high
0: note? Absolutely. <laughs> this makes Monday so much better. Yeah. Even though I'm definitely not sleeping that much. Because <laughs> oh, I, I didn't to, sleep at all that night. Because I have to go. I have to get up at six thirty because it's high school. <sighs> But uh, but yeah, Co-
1: college has really like four years of college has made me realize, think like, why did high school exist like that? Yeah, it was it's it's dumb. like you're telling me I used to get up at six thirty every day for yeah. seven
0: years. I can barely a hundred eighty days a year. Yeah, I can barely get up on Tuesdays when my first <laughs> class is at ten fifty.
1: <laughs> and I and I had class at seven forty five in the morning. Yeah, my last two years of high school, I had chorus first period. Like I was singing. At seven forty-five in the morning for two yeah. years? Are you telling me that was a thing?
0: Unbelievable. And also
1: had I had gym class first period one year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that like, was
1: even. Which to be fair, like nobody like it was. It was borderline. Like it was really barely even a gym class. <laughs> like, I get that to call it that because, like, I mean, it was it was seven forty-five in the morning. Like nobody. Yeah. Took no. it seriously.
0: Yeah, that's how it, that's how it is sometimes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fun season. It's our third full season we've covered, fourth full postseason we've covered. Wow, um, yeah, pretty wild. Um, so that's good. Another another successful uh, season of ARR as we uh, head on into the off season, where you know we'll try There's to no lockout, no lockout, which like, is big. We might get a free agent signing in December. We kind like, of got one tonight. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, I mean. There's there's a lot of things we could get into maybe maybe next episode but there were a lot of managerial hirings that we plus yeah Skip Schumacher I've, I was wa-
1: I was watching a video about the Marlins today and I saw Don Madden. I was like wait who's managing the Marlins again oh yeah Skip Schumacher right yeah that that, that happened Bruce Bochy got hired to manage the Rangers.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: That's pretty weak. That's pretty cool because you know, like you know, that means the Rangers are going all in. Like you don't bring Bruce Bochy out of retirement to be like, yeah, you're going to train these young kids and get them to the next level.
0: You're part of our like seven-year plan. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Like no, you're trying to win now. If you hire Bruce Bochy at this stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like Um, considering they are a developing team.
1: Who else is hired new man? Oh yeah, the The White White Sox Pedro Griefel.
0: Yeah. Like. It's funny, like I saw it it was a guy, and I've never heard of him. I was like, you know what? Great, great hire. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is what they need. (laughs) Yeah, he's he clearly was born like after. after, after, I think he was born in 1950. Yeah, (laughs) like you know,
1: I I bet like the Google trend for Pedro Griefel age just completely spiked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I bet, I bet he, you know, I bet he's seen like a probability chart before in his life i bet he's seen like an re-24 yeah in his life yeah it's like i can i can i, d- I can deal with that yeah he was
1: born in oh dude he was born in 1969 yeah
0: heck yeah so he's, when i uh, when i said
1: 1950 i meant 1970 so unfortunately he wasn't born then but
0: yeah he was uh so he's you know 53 right now yeah um
1: well actually he's uh 52 because his birthday's in late november
0: uh, shout out November birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Yeah. It's the only <laughs> start the off season
1: on a high note. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to check the Google trend for
0: that. <laughs> we got to love that. But yeah. It's
1: one of the f- most fun things is like, huh, people cared about this at a certain time, which even though that just makes sense. Yeah. It's like looking up uh, like the like what channel is true TV and seeing it spike every single March.
0: Right, yeah exactly, hundred per cent- yeah, and it's just like random, like a random college basketball player just gets googled, yeah, um, yeah, like Jim or Fredette, <clears throat> but yeah uh, the twenty twenty season is uh officially behind us, uh, so it's time for us to do a little bit of reflecting, yeah, um, so yeah, every year uh every every year since we started covering regular seasons uh we've done players to watch for every single MLB team um and you know uh you know usually usually it's an under the radar guy who we expect to kind of pop off this year get more people's attention this year so a lot of the time a lot of the time it's a risk but a lot of the time it comes out as a reward mm-hmm. a lot of the time it doesn't and you know we have to deal with that so uh, we each each year we review our biggest hits, our biggest misses. Um, we start out with the hits because it's just funniest to end on our flops and what <laughs> our worst takes were. Because uh, it's just good to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, what do we want to? So, yeah, do you want to start off with? Um, Should we? Sh-
1: so, I'm assuming we both we both went top five.
0: Uh, I went top six. Okay. So I'll I'll let you start then. Yeah, I'll do I'll do. Uh, we'll alternate. So my, my, uh, number six hit, uh, was, uh, Tommy Edmond. Um, you know, he, he improved. So, you know, his OPS plus went up 17 points. He finished second in stolen bases in the national league. He actually had two more than last year and he had a career high 5.6 F war. So, you know, Tommy Edmond before the season, you wouldn't think of him as a five win player, but he went out and, uh, and did that stuff. Um, who who is your number 5? Yeah, excellent job. I actually so I I put 5 and then
1: 3 honorable mentions. Nice. So I guess I could have put 8. Yep. Or I guess 7. You'll see what that means later. Um my number 5 was Patrick Sandoval. Nice. Who uh you know, he played for the Angels this year, obviously. Left-handed pitcher. I believe he was the last qualified starter to give up a home run. I think he gave up his first home run in like late May. Yeah, I remember that being June. June. Um, he ended up leading the 77 American League pitchers in home runs per nine with point four eight this year. Uh, his strikeout-to-walk numbers remained solid. I'd say the only reason he's 5 and not higher on this list is because he didn't qualify for the ERA title. He pitched 148 and two-thirds innings, but other than that, Patrick Sandoval had a solid season on, on an otherwise forgettable Angels team.
0: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, 100%. Uh, my number 5 was Blake Snell, who, I mean... When I picked him, you know, I think a lot of people still uh, associate him with his Cy Young and, you know, being dominant in the 2020 playoffs. But he was coming off a year where he had a 4-2-0 ERA. uh, And for most of the season, his ERA was above five, but he ended it very, very well. So I pointed that out. And Blake Snell... um, his ERA plus was better by 19 points this season. His ERA went down by 0.82. His FIP went down by 1.02 and his walks per nine went back down by 1.2. Uh, so, you know, you know, Blake Snell, he, Oh, what, what the hits are based on is if they improved and like how well they improved. So I also
1: considered like expectations into mine.
0: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. So, uh,
1: your number five, my number four, your number four. Yeah. Um. So this guy, performance wise, probably better. Like he was definitely better than my fourth best player. But I think he had higher expectations than everyone else on this list. Yep. Um, my number four is Alec Manoa. Oh yeah. Uh, he had a really excellent season. A two two four ERA in hundred ninety six innings pitched. Uh, he decreased both his walk rate and his home run rate pretty significantly. Uh, his strikeouts went down, but he was still able to get outs. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, he was an All Star, a Game One starter on a playoff team. Uh, Alec Manoa is my number four.
0: Yeah, my number four is uh, someone behind the dish in Sean Murphy. Uh, His OPS plus went up 22 points. He had 5.1 F war, which was third most among catchers. So, you know, right now he's probably one of the better catchers in baseball uh, after a season like this. And he also had 37 doubles, which was the most most among catchers. That's Uh, fun. Your number three.
1: So my number three is another catcher uh, and also an outfielder, Dalton Varshow, Yeah. of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I tweeted this out today, but he became the first player in Major League history to have multiple seasons with 30 games recorded at catcher and center field. He yeah. did so in 2021. He did it again in 2022. Um, this year he transitioned into more of an outfield uh priority role he played the outfield a lot more last year he played catcher more and it resulted in him having a 4.6 f4 this season makes sense because yeah. of you know defensively he was able to shine a lot more i think mm-hmm. uh he had a lot of range he has very good sprint speed um he just had an excellent uh production for the diamondbacks all year defensively one of the best in the game 106 weighted runs created plus in a you know in a very pitcher friendly ballpark you'll take that so dalton Varshaw was my number three
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, My number three, you know, we had the same Blue Jays player to watch, so I'm mentioning Alec Manoa again. Uh, His ERA plus was better by 35 points. ERA went down 0.98, and he finished third in the AL and ERA. However, yeah, he did have higher expectations, and his um, peripherals didn't have the same drastic uh, improvement that his ERA and ERA plus did. Um, Your number two?
1: Yeah, I, this is fun because I, I like remembering who you had. Yeah. Um, this one I'm pretty proud of Nathaniel Lowe. Yes. From the Texas Rangers, he had a 140. I believe it was a 143 weighted runs created plus. Uh, he had the f- he was tied for the third highest weighted runs created plus among first basemen, only trailing Freddie Freeman and Paul Goldschmidt, and he was tied with Pete Alonzo in weighted runs created plus. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I believe he had a top like one of the top like 15 weighted runs created plus in the entire league among qualifiers. Uh, I mentioned that you know he was gonna take a step forward mm-hmm. in playing with Simeon and Seeger and he certainly did that at a first base. Nathaniel Lowe is my two.
0: Yeah, well, wow. he had the same weighted runs created plus as Pete Alonso. That that means weighted runs created plus is useless because Alonso <laughs> had the most home runs in RBI. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Did he have the most home runs? No, he didn't. I was gonna I say he, had most he definitely RBI. had the most RBI. And he had 40 home runs or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, and he had 800 RBI. <laughs> he had, <laughs> for all we know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number two is Clay Holmes. Um, That's a great pick. His ERA plus was better by 34 points this year. His ERA, uh, you know, regular ERA went down by 1.06, and I would say he went from kind of a relative unknown to an all-star. Uh in this uh in this year i think he did gain some notoriety when he was traded to the yankees and when he did well for the yankees last year but he really established himself as one of the better relievers in the game this year so he's my number two
1: yeah i mean he was the premier ground god throughout the year like an 80 percent ground ball rate going into june or something crazy like that it was it was insane he didn't walk a guy in the entire month of may
0: yep yeah it was yeah he was he was doing really good stuff and you know took over like chapman is kind of Done And it's no problem because Clay Holmes was, you know, yeah. there for them in the ninth. Uh, Who's your number one?
1: My number one, I think you can probably guess who it is. Yeah. Uh, this this guy was my number one on day one and on the yeah. last day. It was Stephen Kwan. It's not even close. Uh, I had never heard of him until I found him on a Fangraphs depth chart uh, in, like, late February. I looked into him a little bit, and I realized, hey, this guy had a really interesting minor league numbers, and this could probably convert into the majors and it absolutely did uh he did exactly what i wanted him to he hit for average he walked a lot didn't strike out i believe his walk rate was almost double his strikeout rate wow uh, and he played the best defensive left field in the majors in fact if you don't count Jordan alvarez because he's a dh but for some reason fangraphs has him listed as a left fielder Stephen kwan led all left fielders in f4 this year yeah uh I would argue he's the best left fielder in the American League. He's only a rookie. He might be a Rookie of the Year finalist. He probably won't win it, but I think he's going to... I think there's going to be reason to believe Stephen Kwan didn't get enough recognition, and he is my number one player to watch from this year. My biggest hit. Very proud of him. Uh, it's cool to see that pick pay off.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, prototypical, like, what the Guardians want from a player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm 24 years old or something like that, maybe 25 um. So yeah, big things from him. I believe he coming. played with
1: Adley Rushman in college. Actually, that's
0: funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number one. You know, not quite, not quite a huge hit, but it was. It was. It was up there. I would. I would say it was. My list isn't top heavy, but it's kind of consistent all the way through. Uh, number one was Logan Gilbert for me. Uh, his ERA plus was better by 28 points, and his ERA went down 1.48. It was, his ERA last year was 4.68. And this year it was 3.20, and, you know, he was a guy, like, low 3 R A, very good, uh, consistent starter, uh, a young guy, and, you know, someone who the Mariners are lucky to have, and lucky to have control over for the next, I think, five years Yeah, still. also
1: pitched very well in the postseason. Um, yeah. Second time's the charm.
0: Uh, yeah, second time's the charm. He was my 2020 Mariners player to watch. And he didn't play. And he he was not called up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was that pre-pandemic
1: or post? Because I know we did some of our players to watch pre-pandemic and then some post.
0: I think. Um, well, I think. I think it was. It might have been like during the pandemic. It I was, think so
1: because I, I. feel like I remember being at home, listening to you saying it. Yeah. Because you know what it was because my Mariners player to watch was Tom Murphy that year, and I definitely remember telling you that from from home. Yeah, on it,
0: Periscope. It was on Periscope. Yeah, because we hadn't made the transition yet. I think um, that was the last episode
1: we did before transitioning.
0: Yep. Yep, it was.
1: Um, I have three honorable mentions. Like I said, yep. uh, the first of which is Luis Garcia, the reliever from the Padres. Yep, <laughs> um, age thirty five season, he had another really solid season for the Padres. He had a strikeout to walk ratio of six. Uh, I believe over the last two years, he is the tenth lowest FIP among qualified relievers uh, at a two six five. He has been excellent. He he had an uptick in velocity this year at age thirty five, which is very cool to see. Um, my second of which, this is probably the most fun uh, player to watch. I had Harold Ramirez. Uh, I picked him as my Cubs player to watch, and a day later he got traded to the Rays, and he hit well over 300. Didn't qualify for yeah. the batting title, but he was excellent all year. I believe he had a 119 weighted runs created plus, and it was the last. It was the first time in his career that he's had an above average. Uh, offensive season. Yep. So Harold Ramirez was an honorable mention for me. I'd say the only reason he wasn't top five was because of wrong team. Right. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then my, th- I, I had to do this. My my number three qual or uh, honorable mention was Matt Moore, who was not not a player to watch this year. But <laughs> uh, he was my number one flop of last year, and he pitched well this year. And I want everyone to know that I was the first one on the Matt Moore hype train.
0: That's true. Yeah. I predicted. Bryce Harper would win the 2020 NL MVP. So you were basically right. So I was basically right. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did, and yeah, I was a, I was a year early. Yeah, year early. Um, you you you're just new, or you were five years late. I, true. <laughs> you could look at it two ways. <laughs> that you bring that you bring up a good point. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. I, th-
1: I think Bryce Harper's is going to win the 2015 annual MVP. <laughs> he said as we were all leaving school from the pandemic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, My misses, man. Yeah, they're fun. the The flops are always the best. That's the best part <laughs> of the episode. I think, like, the funniest part about the flops is we just like
1: we just completely rip ourselves apart for these picks. Yeah, 100%. It's like I I thought
0: this guy was going to be good because of this. <laughs> yeah. If we if you think we were a little we felt a little cocky and and knowledgeable with th- <laughs> this one we're going to hum- we're about to humble ourselves a little bit a lot so um i have six so yeah i'll start off with my okay, with I have my five first also word. i have five and two honor-
1: honorable mentions
0: <laughs> i have a very special honorable mention <laughs> that i won't mention until <laughs> until my
1: my number i've never until, i'll just say this now i've never said a single word to you all year
0: about my number one flop <laughs> but it's it's something yeah okay <laughs> um my number six is uh this was one where like the roster was so depleted that i had i like i didn't know who to pick so i picked this guy tony (laughs) santian from the reds (laughs) he pitched 19 innings this year after pitching 43 last year i picked him because he basically had a high strikeout rate and a 291 era but this year his era plus was worse by 79 points Went from one sixty two to eighty three, and that's in a much more pitcher friendly season too. Yes, in a pitcher in a hitter friendly ballpark. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you'd think you'd think it would benefit him, (laughs) but no. Uh, His strikeouts per nine went down by two, and his walks per nine went up by one point one, and he barely pitched. Also, Uh, who is your number? Five. My number five was
1: uh, one of the one of my favorite finds during the uh, the players to watch process. My number five is Lewis Head, who is a uh, right handed <laughs> reliever who played on the Rays in 2021 and then went to the Marlins in the off season, and he ended up getting DFA'd by the Marlins and and he went to the Orioles mid season, and he uh, the th- the reason I loved him was because he had such a high pop up rate with the Rays. He had w- one of the highest pop up rates that anyone had had. Yeah. Uh, in like the whole pitch tracking era, among like three thousand seasons or something like that, uh, unfortunately, he struggled with his fastball and had to rely on his slider, which he doesn't use to get pop ups as efficiently. Um, his fastball had a four sixty nine BABIP against on non pop ups. Wow! So <laughs> he he couldn't get that to stick, and because of that, he wasn't able to do what makes him
0: great. Yeah, damn. Uh, my number five was similar to my number six in that. Depleted roster, didn't know who to pick, so I picked a wild card. I picked Alcides Escobar.
1: <laughs> he was on the Nationals, right? Yes,
0: <laughs> on the Nationals, who went fifty-five and one hundred seven this year. So I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know if anyone would have been a hit. <laughs> to be fair,
1: I picked Josh Bell, which yeah. was such a cheap pick,
0: but he was also like my my big offseason project. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Alcides Escobar last year he had a one hundred five OPS plus. You know, he did pretty well for a 35-year-old shortstop who never produced Mm -hmm. offensively. But this year, he performed like you would expect a 35-year-old LCD's Escobar to perform. He had a 58 OPS+. That OPS plus went down 47 points. So, yeah, that's all I got on LCD's Escobar. Also, he only played 40 games. I think they just... They, they just gave I, up on him. Or actually they must have DFA'd him or something. They had to have. There's no way they just like him down to the minors. Yeah. I'll see these S. Okay, we're gonna have you figure it out in Harrisburg. Trans I, I don't know. Rochester.
1: <laughs> I think it's I don't know where the Nationals Triple A plays.
0: Um Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm trying to see his latest transaction. Um Baseball Almanac has nothing on him since twenty nineteen. That sucks. Well, but anyway, they probably thought he
1: retired, so they just didn't even bother. Yeah, what's
0: your what's your number four? I'll I'll figure yeah. that out.
1: My number four. Oof, this one hurts. Uh, my number. It hurts because I want a. I wanted to say that see this guy do well, and B. I should have known better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number 4 is Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh yeah, that that one hurts. Uh, his walk walk to strikeout numbers as a hitter stayed the same. Doesn't walk a whole lot. Strikes out well above 30% and that that happened again this year. But the worst part, uh his his uh ISO, his ISO went down 99 points wow. from 2021. Wow. Uh yeah, he was at 254 last year. He went down to 155 this year. So he wasn't hitting for power. Definitely wasn't hitting for contact. Uh, he's, he got replaced by the end of the season. And uh, a lot of Red Sox fans saying he should have been traded last offseason because his value was never going to get higher than it was at the end of the 2021 season.
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can report to you that Alcides Escobar on August 3rd, 2022, was released by the Washington Nationals. So. Yeah. The only reason he's not higher, is I mean, he was
1: he was part of the fire sale.
0: Yeah, you know they got rid of Juan Soto, they got rid of Josh Bell, they got rid of Elcidas Escobar. Yeah, that was the big that was the big <laughs> the thing. Take three. Uh, um. So yeah. So yeah, the the only reason he wasn't higher on the list is because I didn't have belief in Tony Santian and LCD. I didn't yeah. have as much belief as I did the other the other four I'm about to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, number my number four was Adrian Hauser. Um, I was big on him because, yeah. you know, kind of a lower velocity guy, but he got his ground balls. He he didn't allow hard contact. However, uh, and he, last year he had a low threes ERA. He was a very quality, like number four guy for the Brewers. But this year, his ERA plus was worse by 45 points. Uh, His average exit velocity against increased. His ground ball rate decreased by... 13 percentage points and his line drive rate increased by 4.9 percentage points. So he was just another regular guy not getting strikeouts, which doesn't work <laughs> in uh, in Major League Baseball. Um, so he was my number four.
1: Yeah, so that moves on to my number three. Um, I marketed this guy as being one of the best hitters in baseball over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. And he took a major step back, mostly due to injury and age and various other things. But Brandon Belt, uh, yeah. you kind of forgot he was even there. True. Um, he played 96 games, I believe. He had a career low in batting average, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, weighted runs created plus, a defensive regression. Uh, his his exit velocity, I believe, went down three. Or no, he had a career low in exit velocity. He had a career high in pop-up rate. Uh, the Giants regressed on a lot of fronts this year, and Brandon Bell was one of the main ones.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I can definitely agree that the Giants... Um went down in many fronts i'll get into that later yeah um <laughs> yep. with my giants pick my number three is your best friend jamer Condalario. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep <laughs> um <laughs> i marketed him as you know a very underrated third baseman i think heading into the season over the previous two seasons he had the seventh highest f war among third basemen between i think it was like nolan arenado and matt chapman uh this year He was not good at all. His OPS plus went down 38 points. His strikeout rate increased. Walk rate decreased. Exit velocity decreased. uh, And he had less than half the doubles that he had last year. uh, And he also had a negative F war in 2022. So he's my number three flop
1: Listen, man. I know that he said on June sixteenth, after he had finished taking ground balls on the field in Polar Park in Worcester, that he that he had been feeling fine, but he did hurt his thumb this year. Let's
0: let's acknowledge that a little bit. That's true. <laughs> he did. He did have to um, have an IL stint.
1: So my number two, um, he wasn't as bad as everyone else on this list, but this is probably the safest pick that I made throughout the entire process. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty embarrassing to have this one flop. But Tyler O'Neill. That was tough. Oh, my God. That was tough. Uh, I said that he could be an MVP candidate. I even considered him picking him for my MVP pick. I didn't, but I really thought about it. Uh, He had league average, weighted runs created plus, and OPS plus, a big defensive aggression. His exit velocity went down by three miles an hour from his last year, and he had a career low in fly ball rate by 4%. When you're a guy that exclusively lives off power, because Tyler O'Neill struck out a lot, didn't walk a lot, and... Didn't hit for average during his twenty twenty one season, where he had a nine hundred OPS. Yep. If you're not hitting for power, and if you're not hitting fly balls, you're going to have average numbers. Yeah, uh, like even Aaron Judge had one of the lowest line drive rates in the league this year. Like you'd be surprised how much the the big power hitters rely on hitting fly balls as much as they possibly can. And yeah. Tyler O'Neill didn't do that this year.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, when you're a power guy, but not hitting for power and just striking out all the time yeah. doesn't work. Um My number two is uh, another Giants first baseman. You know, (laughs) makes sense why the Giants had 26 (laughs) less wins this year because they were full of flops. Uh, Maybe most notably Darren Ruff, whose OPS plus went down 60 points from 2021 to 2022. His hard hit rate went down 14 percentage points. It was at like 54% last year, 40% this year. Um, he had negative one point six B war and negative zero point seven F war, and he had the second worst baseball reference war in baseball. Wow. So yeah, Darren Ruff, I mean tough. the puns are there to finish <laughs> it for me. He had a rough year. Uh now on to your number one.
1: Um so i I'd said beforehand this is such a hilariously bad pick. Um do you do you have any idea who it might be? Um no. No. If I told you the team, do you think you'd remember who I had? Possibly.
0: Royals. Royals. Hmm. <laughs> who was hilariously bad on the Royals this year? Was it Whit Merrifield? It was not Whit. No, dude, I'm better than that. Are you kidding me? That's just me. Yeah, I just thought like. <laughs> no, oh, that's fair. The only notable but guy. No, I would absolutely
1: never pick Whit Merrifield in 2022 as my player to watch.
0: Um, <laughs> Hilariously bad. Uh,. Chris Bubich? No. Okay, who was it?
1: It was Carlos Hernandez, who had a (laughs) 739 ERA and a 520 FIP. Um, (laughs) He's the first player in Royals history to have a season in the uh, 56-56 club, which of course is... uh, 56 innings pitched and an ERA plus below 56, (laughs) at at, at or below 56. (laughs) I swear to God, God. he had 56 innings pitched and an ERA plus of 56 (laughs) in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Um, But this, But that doesn't even scratch the surface of how hilariously bad this pick was. So I picked him because if you looked at his baseball savant page... Uh, I I only was on his Savon page because I saw that he had one of the highest fastball velocities in the league, and I wanted to look more into him. All right, and he and he had never had particularly good numbers. I think he had like a a high threes ERA with like a fours FIP last year, so he wasn't outstanding by any means. But I noticed uh, between 2020 and 2021, the only years he had played in the majors there was a big X in his uh, pitch usage chart where like he 100% used the fastball one year and then he switched to like the split finger the next year. And I yeah. was like, I want to see what he goes with this year and, and how it works for him. And that X is just gone. Like they, it was some sort of graph error that Baseball Savant had, <laughs> and, and he's just and he's used his fastball c- majority of the time every single year. Now there was some sort of input error that was put into Baseball Savant that I thought was really interesting, which turned out to be nothing, and I picked a horrible player, ah. um, and. The even worse part is there are so many guys on the Royals that I could have picked that oh would have looked God. pretty decent, like Vinny Pasquantino, Brady Singer, MJ Melendez, which I should have picked because I was high on him anyway. Yeah. Um, Nick Prado, who you picked, yeah. <laughs> like there are so many guys on the Royals that could I could have picked that it would have been like, hey, you know, it's a pretty good pick. Yeah, like wouldn't have been a top five hit most likely, but like I'm happy with how it turned out. But no, I picked Carlos Hernandez because of an input error. Yeah, he had put up a 7.39 ERA. That
0: is that is too funny. Yeah, because it's like if there's if that wasn't an input error, that's a great that's a great observation to make. Yeah, but no, it was just. <laughs> is just uh baseball savant messing up. Uh my number 1 uh flop is um Brennan Davis. So if you're listening to this, Oh, well yeah, <laughs> he was
1: never going to get called up this year.
0: If you That lis- was never going to happen. <laughs> if you're listening to this, uh you 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 may think Brennan Davis. Uh I don't remember watching him this year. That's probably because maybe you didn't attend a Chicago Cubs minor league game.
1: Did Be- he even play? Like, I, what did he even do this year? Oh, we still played. Oh, actually,
0: he played horribly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is <laughs> yeah, Brennan Davis entered 2022 as MLB.com's number 15 prospect in baseball with an ETA for uh, this year, but instead. He hit 180 with a 597 OPS and a 30% strikeout rate in 53 minor league games. Okay, among three teams. Among three teams in the minors. And uh, he didn't play in the major leagues at all. And he did horribly in the minors. So, and with the Cubs, I didn't really know who to pick. Like, Wilson Contreras was, like, the only good player. And and maybe, like, even, I don't know, Adbert Ausler. Or yeah. Was did he pitch last year? I don't know. He
1: did. Well, he was my Cubs player to watch before 2021, I believe. Yeah,
0: so I couldn't pick him. Um you
1: could pick him. Um I mean, like Justin Steele could have been a good pick.
0: Yeah. But uh yeah. but yeah, I picked Brennan Davis because he was like the Cubs top prospect and he had an ETA for that yeah. year. But uh instead he had a sub six hundred OPS in, in the, the minors. Min- yeah, and it's funny you mentioned
1: that because I just like I was pretty high on that name going into the year. I was like, "Oh, this will be an interesting guy to watch if he comes to Wrigley." Um, I didn't think he was coming up this year. I'm going to be honest; I actually didn't realize he had played 16 games in AAA the year before. But now that you like mentioned him, I was like, "Wait, yeah, he hasn't like appeared on any of the rankings. Like, I've not heard a single word about him." Yeah, <laughs> he just yeah.
0: That is a tough flop. That is a tough flop. Uh, and my number one flop of 2022.
1: My uh, I have two honorable mentions: Kirby Yates. Uh huh. Who, uh, did uh, he did pitch? How
0: much? Oh, yeah. I have another flop like that who I didn't uh, he, mention.
1: <laughs> he pitched seven innings for the Braves, uh, and had a 514 ERA and a 726 FIP. Yeah. Um, and then my second flop, uh, Connor Joe of the Rockies. He had a sub 700 OPS. Mm. Uh, started out the season pretty strong. Um, he had like a pretty long stretch. He was one of the worst hitters in the league. And I didn't even put him on slightly alarming. Not even cause out of bias because I was like, eh, no one cares about him. <laughs> Which he- is, that's so wrong. I don't mean to sound like that. But I was yeah. like, that's not a guy with huge expectations right now.
0: Right, yeah. Um, my, uh, yeah, one of my uh, honorable mentions, I didn't put in my uh, sheet here, but Sean Reed Foley... Of the Mets, he went ten innings. Wait, five... you
1: put him as a player to watch? Yep, <laughs> he had
0: f- he had a five four oh ERA and a five two one FIP before getting season-ending surgery. Aww. Um. So that cut his uh season short. Uh. But my very special honorable was mention. Say, yeah, you said you had a big one. Was uh Caleb Barragar Bar- Baragar. Baragar. Caleb Baragar, Diamondbacks. <laughs> of the Arizona Diamondbacks, I talked about how. Uh, You know, I, I, this is why I didn't put him in the rankings because like he, I only picked him because he's funny. Like he's just a funny type of player because like out of, um, out of like, uh, 500 pitchers from 2020 to 2021, he had like the highest launch angle against, um, which worked out for him. But Caleb Baragar did not pitch in the majors at all this year. And in the minors, he had a five, five, one ERA in forty seven and a third innings pitch. And I mentioned how he gives up a lot of fly balls uh, and has a high launch angle against he had two point nine home runs per nine against him <laughs> in the minors. So uh shout out to Caleb Baragar. Um Holy crap. as a, an honorable mention. How many innings? Um forty seven and a third. Oh my god. So that's a lot. That's tough. That's quite a bit.
1: Um I I I'm I'm very excited for uh, custom awards but yeah, those are our top five slash six hits and flops. Congrats yeah. to uh, Stephen Kwan and sorry, who was your who was your number one hit?
0: Logan Gilbert. So yeah,
1: Stephen Kwan and Logan Gilbert, and then uh, I'm sorry to Carlos Hernandez and Brennan Davis. Brennan Davis.
0: Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for those folks. Um, you know. No one's more disappointed than you though. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's Brennan I Davis is like our age. Um I would guess yeah. I mean he's he's I think he was drafted out of high school. Um
1: Uh He was born November second, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, he's basically he's a little older than both of us, but he's basically our age. Within a year. Yes. Actually yes. A year and like two weeks.
0: Yep. Yep. Um so yeah that those are our hits and hits and misses of the year uh and now we have custom regular season awards we'll get into the actual award season uh, next year or uh, next next, year. <laughs> next episode <laughs> we'll do it we'll do it in
1: january of 2023 <laughs> yeah. yeah, our mvp picks by the yeah. way are, is awards week going to be like pushed back a, a week because yeah. of, it has to be right because otherwise this would be the week that we like reveal the finalists yeah
0: no uh, yeah i wasn't prepared to do that um but yeah so you know there's the mvps cy young's managers of the year rookies of the year However, this is when we get into custom awards where we have our own silly stuff that we like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, uh, have, I have five, you have five, three. so yeah. I'm gonna, so you're gonna start.
1: Okay. So my first award uh, is the Comeback Next Year award. And this is awarded to the player that hit the most ground balls to the pole side while the shift was on. Uh, of course, this player should do the same next year because there will be no shift. True. So the winner of the Comeback Next Year Award is Corey Seeger. Yeah. Excellent job. Congratulations. Excellent job. <laughs> seventy seven ground balls hit into the shift this year. Uh nobody else had more than seventy. Wow. And I believe Marcus Simeon was second.
0: Yeah, I remember uh yeah, Mark Simon had yep. uh had a stat about it. By the way,
1: you know what Mark Simon also had? Um Someone asked him on Twitter, like, what are you thinking for the final out? And I swear to God, he goes, I'm thinking fly ball to right field. We're due for it. It Hasn't happened since 1985.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's great. Which is so funny because
1: he literally knows the last out of every World Series. So naturally, off the top of his head, he was like, yeah, fly ball to right field is due.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, the, the the projections are there. Yeah. Like, they're... Over the last 33 years, there's been 2.5 expected uh, last-out World Series (laughs) fly balls to right. And he nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, Congrats to him. Uh, My first custom award, I I started this last year. I'm hoping to make this an annual thing. Mm -hmm. But it it is the snowballer of the year, uh, where I talk about pitchers who get it done with low uh, velocities last year. The winner was Adam Wainwright, um, who obviously, you know, he's an older guy, but, you know, doesn't have the same velocity he used to have. But he got it done. He had a good year. Um, This year, I should name some uh, honorable mentions. Or actually, I'll I'll name one honorable mention because he was in high consideration for this award. Uh, My honorable mention is Tyler Anderson, who um, I think he's six percentile fastball velocity. He had 2.57 ERA. The only detriment I had was his numbers against his fastball still weren't that great. He was getting it done on the changeup.
1: That makes sense. Um, to be fair, that is pretty lower velocity.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> like way way lower. Um, my snowball snowballer of the year this year is Nestor Cortez. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Out of uh, out of one thousand eight hundred ninety fastballs that Cortez threw. 72.6% of them were 92 miles per hour or less and you know I, I guess you know sometimes it's hard to realize that 92 miles per hour isn't that much in today's game the the average forcing fastball um in uh in the MLB this year was 93.9 miles per hour so if you're below 92 you know you're pretty below average uh cortez was in the 10th percentile in fastball velocity in 2022 and he still had a 244 ERA and a 270 expected ERA in 158 and a third innings pitched. Out of 62 pitchers with 150 plus innings pitched this year, his ERA ranked seventh and his expected ERA ranked fifth out of 62. Also, his forcing fastball averaged 91.8 miles per hour, which is 2.1 miles per hour below league average. And hitters hit. 157 and slugged 239 off that 2.1 mile per hour below average, uh, four seam fastball. Out of 35 pitchers to throw 1,000 plus four seam fastballs this year, his average and slugging against it were the lowest. Wow, and out of 763 seasons with 1,000 plus four seam fastballs thrown in the pitch tracking era. Cortez's average against his four-seamer was third lowest and his slugging against it was second lowest. So, you Nest- went all out for this one. Nestor Cortez, very snowballer of all time, very effective snowballer, um getting it done. And those those numbers that I just mentioned were his s- second lowest. That's not even with a a filter of like below this certain miles per hour. That's included like you know, uh you know Jacob Degrom is in, is included in those lists with uh with fat with four fastballs and Cortez was just able to get it done on his four fastball. He caused a lot of pop ups, a lot of high fly balls. Um, pretty unbelievable to see the the numbers there. So very well deserved Nestor Cortez Snowballer Excellent. of the year.
1: So my awards, just in general, I mentioned this to Chris beforehand, but my awards are so random and they probably won't be back next year. I'll probably just be making stuff up every single year. Uh, I love it. <laughs> like my. My, uh, awards are like when you randomly go on Savant one day and you're like, I wonder who does this completely obscure thing the most. Yes. Um, that's kind of what I am. Although this one is a little, doesn't make a little more sense. So my second award is the Hershey Award. The Hershey Award is given to the player, a, a more obscure player that is at the top of the sweet spot percentage leaderboards. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, if you look at the top of the sweet spot percentage leaderboards this year, you'll see guys like Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, Jordan Alvarez, guys that, you know, are known for being good hitters. But above all is this year's Hershey Award winner. It's Brian De La Cruz. (laughs) He had a sweet spot of 43 percent, topped everyone in the majors this year. Uh, Nobody else deserved it more.
0: Yeah. Shout out Brian De La Cruz. He was how about that in September. And shout out to Milton Hershey. And shout out to Milton Hershey in Pennsylvania. Yes. Um, now on to the Powerballer of the year, which that that's not like you're throwing hard fastballs. That means Powerball lottery. You're getting lucky. You're getting lucky this year. Congratulations. You know you won the lottery this year <laughs> because of how much good luck you had. Um, the biggest competitor. Uh, against who ended up first of all 2021 winner last year uh marcus stroman who i mean if you saw his 2022 kind of makes sense you know like he got a little lucky and then this year it wasn't wasn't quite the same for marcus stroman um this year the biggest competitor against the guy who ended up winning was justin verlander who um he i think he had the best like or luckiest difference on like woba and x woba slugging and x slugging is and especially on uh, fly balls and line drives because he had you know McCormick Tucker, uh in that in that outfield helping out for him. Um, this year though, the power baller of the year is Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> yep. to Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> who, out of eighty-one hitters with four hundred plus batted balls. He had the luckiest difference in batting average and expected batting average, slugging and expected slugging, and Woba and ex- expected Woba. He hit 312 on ground balls, which is good for ninth highest, despite having the 39th highest average exit velocity on ground balls, and being in the 26th percentile in sprint speed. So he's on the slower side. He wasn't hitting his ground balls hard, but he was getting, uh, he was getting, a. Uh, Hits on ground balls. All eight b- batters above him in average on ground balls, uh, they all had better sprint speeds than Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, also, this year Paul Goldschmidt his sweet spot percentage was below average, which is weird because uh, you know in every other year it was like above average. And also Paul Goldschmidt he hit 184 on batted balls outside the sweet spot zone. League average is 124 when you're hitting it outside the sweet spot zone. So, so he was 60 points above average um, when it wasn't in the sweet spot zone. So uh, congratulations to Paul Goldschmidt winning pa- this year's, the 2022 Powerballer of the Year, Paul Goldschmidt.
1: Might lead him to an MVP. Could
0: lead him to an MVP.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My So my next award, this is a callback to a similar type of award that I did throughout all of last year. It was a monthly award last year. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be a yearly award this year. This is the Mike Zanino of the Year Award. <laughs> the Mike Zanino Award will be given to a player who throughout the season uh, displayed fantastic power at the expense of all contact whatsoever. <laughs> Mike Zanino's 2021 was famous for having a 342 isolated slugging which was top three in the majors uh in 350 plate appearances however he did have a 213 average that year very little power a high strikeout rate not a lot of walks but man did he hit for power yeah and the mike zanino of the year award goes to a similar player uh who did similar things this year congratulations to cal raleigh on being yeah. this year's Mike Zanino of the Year award. Cal Raleigh slash 211, 284, 489 for a 774 OPS, and a 122 OPS plus. That's a 122 OPS plus on a 211 batting average. Wow. He had 78 hits this year, and 48 of them were extra base hits. Nice. Yeah, tw- so 78 hits, 20 doubles, 1 triple, and 27 home runs. 60% of his base hits went for extra bases uh he had an ISO of 278 this year. Uh this award doesn't have to go to a catcher just because Mike Zanino's is a catcher, but it just happened to this year. Yeah. Uh Cal Raleigh, he is the winner of the Mike Zaniño of the Year award. He is the owner of one of the most iconic moments in franchise history. Yeah. From this year, all he has to do now is become the most out- iconic Cal R in baseball history.
0: That's true. Yeah, he's got a uh, got a lot of time to do it. Yeah. Shout out to uh yeah, Cal Raleigh winning this year's Mike of the year award. Um, now we go to, uh, the short end award. Um, this is given, this is the opposite of the power baller of the year. This means he had the worst luck out there. Um, the 2021 winner was Eduardo Rodriguez after he had a 363 BABIP and a 316 average against on ground balls. And it was even worse with runners and scoring position. Um, uh, some of the nominees include uh, some of the nominees include Kevin Gosman, uh, as well as um, Lucas Giolito a little bit there. Um, although I don't know, I don't know if the expected statistics versus regular statistics really mattered there. But ultimately, the short end award, not as strong as last year's, but I'll still put him in there. It was uh, Alex Cobb. Um, yes! Oh my goodness. It was no it, doubt. I
1: don't know. I, it was pretty strong for a while there.
0: It was it was it was very prominent the first three months of the season, but it actually kind of balanced out uh in the uh in the second half. But still, I mean the numbers are 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 pretty egregious. Um in 149 and two-thirds innings pitch, Alex Cobb had a 373 ERA, which is pretty respectable, but a two eight oh FIP and a three point one five expected ERA Out of 82 pitchers with 400 plus batted balls against, his batting average and expected, his difference in batting average and expected batting average was second unluckiest. And despite having the second highest ground ball rate, the seventh lowest line drive rate, and the second lowest sweet spot rate against, he had a 338 babip, which was sixth highest out of 82. Uh, with runners in scoring position, Alex Cobb had a 372 bab up against. With runners in scoring position, he had a 317 average against on ground balls. Uh, with runners in scoring position, he had the third unluckiest difference between batting average and expected batting average. Also, out of 15 pitchers with 250 plus ground balls against, he had the unluckiest difference in batting average and expected batting average on ground balls. Uh, He also had a 175 average against on batted balls outside the sweet spot zone. League average is 124. So when it was outside the sweet spot zone, you know, his average uh, was 51 points above average also on ground balls hit 80 miles per hour or less. He had a 224 average against, which was 67 points higher than the league average of 157. And out of 26 pitchers to allow, Eighty plus such batted balls, you know the soft hit grounders uh Cobb's average against on those uh soft ground balls was the highest, so uh all in all alex Cobb very unlucky season for him um the giants defense digressed greatly, especially in the infield, and uh Alex Cobb was a victim of that with uh with yeah. some bad luck, so yeah. Um, That's those are all my awards, but we still have some more from uh, from Daniel. Yeah,
1: so I have two more awards. Uh, Each of my awards so far have gone to hitters, and in making these I realized I needed to give the pitchers some love, so I created two more awards for pitchers, the first of which, probably my favorite award, Uh, this is the Mercy Award. And it goes to a pitcher that uh, throughout the year hitters went easy on him. Let's just say it that way. (laughs) Uh, The winner of the Mercy Award is Griffin Jacks of the Minnesota Twins. Griffin Jacks threw 82 pitches in game day zone 5 this year, which is middle-middle, and 35 of them, making up 42.7%, were not swung at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a great award. That is a fantastic award.
1: That was the highest rate in the majors, minimum 50 innings. 50 pitches thrown in game day zone five, which is middle
0: middle, by the way. Wow, <laughs> that is fantastic. I th- I love this award. We need that. This needs to be annual. This All right, the, the mercy annual. the
1: mercy award will be annual. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm sweating after that. That is great,
1: <laughs> so, dude. I was I was going through and wa- I was that was an idea I had today. I was like, I wonder who's had the most like pitches in game day zone five that were just. Not swung at. Uh, I, I put the total pitch percentage as called strikes because I figured that just any time it's not swung at, it's just a called strike unless there were pitchers that had some balls thrown in game day zone five. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, the highest pr- out, of, out of pitchers with at least 50 pitches thrown in game day zone five throughout the year, Griffin Jacks had the highest percentage of pitchers that ended up being called strikes. 35 out of 82. 42.7%. Yeah. Matt Brash was second by 0. .4.
0: Nice. Yeah, Should but you
1: know what? Matt Brash just has nasty stuff. Yeah, he's got. It's like, oh,
0: I, th- I thought this was gonna move seventeen Dude, inches. Dude, after to the after right. the
1: show, we'll watch some, uh, we'll watch some Griffin Jack's uh, <laughs> Game Day Zone
0: Five being taken. Yes, it's some classic <laughs> film. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, your final award.
1: Yeah. So my final award, uh, this one might be a little controversial, actually, because we were kind of just discussing this the other day. But uh, my last award goes is the uh, the Prince of Pop Ups. Um, He's oh, yeah. going to a pitcher that gives up a lot of high fly balls. Um, Christian Javier would be the winner if we were going all pitchers, but I'm going with a smaller sample size, so there will be a different winner. Uh, I just found out today that this guy still plays. Um, Congratulations to this year's winner of the Prince of Pop-Ups It is Corey Abbott of the Washington Nationals. (laughs) I love that. Corey Abbott, 61 of his 141 batted balls against were above 33 degrees. That is the end of the sweet spot threshold. 43% of his batted balls were high up in the sky to the point where it wasn't even the right kind of contact. Yeah. So, those are my five awards. Congratulations to Corey Seeger, Brian De La Cruz, Cal Raleigh, Griffin Jacks, and Corey Abbott.
0: Yes. Congratulations, congratulations and
1: uh, yeah, I guess I guess we will have a, we will be having a committee hearing on if we want to make the mercy award an annual thing
0: yeah that'll be that'll be fun because i mean it's 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 pretty you like it's,
1: anyone can win it
0: anyone can win it, yeah, it's
1: not a... as long as you throw fifty pitches in game day zone five, you are in it to win it, right, yeah, <laughs> it depends on how nice the hitters are feeling that day
0: <laughs> or those days that is very funny, very very good, mm hmm um, so yeah those are our custom yearly awards. Um yeah, congratulations to uh to all the winners. But yeah, that uh that should do it for um this installment of Above Replacement Radio, the last episode of 2022 where we're talking about, you know, baseball that just happened. Um yeah, a great a great season once again of yeah. baseball coverage. Um this is yeah, this is the 44th episode of the season we did. Um, well, I, I think last year we did 55. Like, we definitely did
1: a lot. I mean, we had a, we also had a lot going on. Um, we, we were a lot busy. Chris and I, Chris and I both had a baseball related internship over the summer, which was very, it was a very great experience for both of us. Definitely something that's going to, um, stick with us for a long time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, shout out to the New England Collegiate Baseball League for for allowing us to hop on board. We actually did a very briefly did a podcast over there. Yep. We got to cover some baseball over there, do a lot of similar things that we do on this show. Um which, you know, it was very cool to do that professionally. Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Yeah. 100%. That that was a
1: lot of the reason why we couldn't do as much. We were also in bigger roles with student media here at Springfield College this year. Yeah. Um next year. You know, I mean, we'll be a month out from graduating by the time the season starts, and then yeah. who knows what happens after that. But, I mean, you know, ARR is going to continue. We're going to yeah. stick with this as long as we can. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, it's it's been a heck of a ride for uh, – this is our last time covering the playoffs in college. Yep. And that's something. Yeah. That's the one thing that we got to do all four years.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's definitely going to be, a, like, a sense of nostalgia we'll have of, like, you know – we're literally just talking in my bedroom right now. Mm-hmm. Uh with the with We've the podcast podcasted equipment. in so
1: many places on campus. Yes. <laughs> um like yeah. three different rooms in one building. Maybe four different rooms in one building. Uh one or one academic building that we have. Uh we've done your room in two different uh locations at both of our rooms uh in various years. Yeah. Um the Mac lab, yes. the
0: Wiser Conference Room.
1: room 08 oh probably the tv studio um i think we have yes we did on the tv we did studio like 20, 20, um, 20, of course the radio studio that we actually have but also don't have currently yes true um the yeah. podcasting studio you know yeah. those are different things and then and the then townhouse
0: backyards townhouse backyards and then even like yeah remotely like both of our bedrooms mm-hmm. um uh i've yeah done it in like maine before and Mm -hmm. we recorded a half episode in or we recorded cape cod
1: yes well we've recorded full episodes there. yeah we recorded a full Um, episode in cape
0: cod your car uh my car yeah Yeah. this earlier this year when it wasn't moving it was just i was in a parked lot and it was a weird situation um yeah
1: yeah a lot of a lot of good stuff um
0: yeah, I think you yeah, you yeah, you did it in Vermont as you mentioned. Yes, I did do it in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, um
0: yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, like yeah, our last our last full season we we just covered in in college. Um and yeah, um you know, it it's been quite a ride, but yeah, it's going to be a ride that continues outside yeah, this of college.
1: Is, yeah, I mean, this is not the end by any means. Yeah.
0: I mean, not to be all sentimental, but there's Literally no one I'd rather talk baseball with Aww. than you. I mean, that's um, absolutely right. Yeah, because it, it, just, it just makes sense, it whatever does. this it's, is.
1: It's felt very right. I mean, you know, I've never mentioned this before to you off camera, but I'll never forget coming into uh, our di- – wow, this is getting so sappy for no reason. But yeah. coming into our dining hall um, our freshman year, both like a month into college, we have we had spoken maybe like twice uh and we were like all right we're gonna start this baseball podcast neither of us knew anything about the other's baseball knowledge to that point yeah Uh, it was the day of the nationals brewers wildcard game you came in with a page prep sheet and i was like oh this is like legit like this is gonna be this is gonna be real and it has been real for 219 episodes
0: 200 yeah 219 episodes um you know part of the reason we were able to get to um saber 50 um, yes
1: oh my god we didn't even mention baltimore
0: yeah, we yeah, we we went to Baltimore. Yeah, that was a fun part of the year. Yeah, that was
1: that uh, uh, yeah, to, uh, if I'm thinking 2022 baseball, that's got to be the highlight. Yep.
0: Like yeah. That
1: between that, the NECBL, um we got to we got to interview Sarah Langs, yes. um which was, you know, definitely a big bucket list item for us. Yep. Um, we might have some more interviews coming this off season. We're trying to work some things out. We got, we possibly have one, uh, on deck.
0: Yep. Just
1: got to talk to them soon.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, been quite the season. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, hopefully we will have, uh, some more seasons like, like this one, Yes, um, with more stuff, cool guests. Um, great interviews, and of course, great analysis or, you know, the best analysis we can provide. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of the 2022 season and hope you will continue, uh, to listen throughout the 2022 to 23 off season. If you are listening on Apple podcast or Spotify and want to uh, check out the YouTube channel, uh, go to above replacement radio on YouTube. And if you're listening on YouTube, go check out the feeds on Apple podcasts and Spotify, go follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore to follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio uh, for all the show needs. And we will hope to see you next time where we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be predicting and picking awards Uh, For the 2022 season. We will see you then. This conversation. This conversation. Is over.
1: Is over.